I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hey, y'all. Eve's here. Today's episode contains not just one, but two nuggets of history. Consider it a double feature. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to This Day in History class, where we dust off a little piece of history every day. The day was May 6, 1884. Katie Sanduina was born Catherine Brumbach in Vienna, Austria, to Philippe and Johanna Brumbach. Katie would go on to become a popular strong woman who wowed her audiences with feats like lifting horses. Katie was born into a circus family. Her mom and dad were circus performers, standing at about six feet tall and six foot six, respectively. When Katie was two years old, she was already holding handstands. So she began gymnastics training early on as a child. By the time she was a teenager, Katie had already grown to six feet tall and 187 pounds, or about 183 centimeters and 85 kilograms. Because she was growing to be beautiful and strong, she became an important part of the family show as they toured throughout Europe. In her early acts, Katie's father would offer 100 gold marks to anyone who could beat her at wrestling. Nobody ever managed to beat her. But she did meet the love of her life through this stunt. When she was 16, a 19-year-old acrobat named Max Heyman took on the challenge of wrestling Katie in the hopes that he would get some publicity and cash. She defeated him, but they soon fell in love with each other. She even began including him in her act, 
lifting him over her head with one arm and using him as a rifle in a skit where she pretended to be a soldier. A couple of years after they met, Katie and Max were married. Max and Katie, also known as the Lady Hercules, split from the family circus and left Europe for the United States in the early 1900s. Part of Katie's act was to challenge people to beat her at lifting progressively heavier weights. One formidable challenger was Eugene Sandow, a famous bodybuilder. They made it up to 300-pound weights. Katie lifted the load over her head, but Sandow could only lift it to his chest. Katie had beaten a leading strongman. And because she had, perhaps out of jest or tribute, Katie changed her last name to Sandwina, a female derivative of Sandow. She added the great Sandwina to her list of monikers. As Katie beefed up her strongwoman act, she began amazing her crowds by breaking iron chains, bending iron bars, juggling 30-pound cannonballs, balancing a revolving merry-go-round with several adults on it on her chest, acting as the foundation of a bridge over which several people and a horse would pass, and lifting a half-ton cannon on her back or chest. But for the press, just as impressive as her feats was her beauty. One 1911 article by Kate Carew in the San Francisco Examiner said the following of Katie. She is as majestic as the Sphinx, as pretty as a valentine, as sentimental as a German schoolgirl, and as wholesome as a great big slice of bread and butter. She has the strength of 10 ordinary men united with the milky, satin femininity of a hundred ordinary women. And she has stepped down from the dwelling place of the gods to do strong woman stunts in the circus. Katie toured the U.S. on the Orpheum vaudeville circuit. While she was on tour, she had a son with Max named Theodore. She performed two acts the night before Theodore was born. In 1911, John Ringling signed Katie and Max to the Barnum and Bailey Circus. At first, she was part of an act called the Sanduinas, which included other strength-related performances. But once it was clear she was the star of the show, Katie became the featured performer. At press conferences, physicians would take note of Katie's measurements, and reporters would dote over her perfection and Venus-like beauty. Outside of her circus work, she was also a suffragette. In 1912, she became the vice president of the suffragette ladies of the Barnum and Bailey Circus. In 1918, Katie and Max had another son named Alfred. They stayed with Barnum and Bailey for a while, but after the circus fell on hard times during the Great Depression, the duo joined the state-run Works Progress Administration Circus. Katie gave her last performance in the late 1940s, and she retired when she was 64 years old. At that point, she and Max opened a restaurant in New York where they would sometimes honor customers' requests to perform strength feats. In January of 1952, Katie died of cancer. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to learn more about Katie Sandwina, listen to the episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class called The Glamorous Strong Woman. If you have any burning questions or comments, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TDIHC Podcast. Thanks for joining me on this trip through history. See you here, same place tomorrow.
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hello, everyone. I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a podcast where the past becomes the present. The day was May 6, 1882. U.S. President Chester A. Arthur signed the Chinese Exclusion Act. The act banned the immigration of Chinese laborers for 10 years, though Congress later extended it. On paper, the act still allowed Chinese merchants, students, teachers, and diplomats to enter the U.S., but it prevented thousands of people from immigrating into the country, and it established a precedent for discriminatory race and class-based immigration laws. In the 1850s, thousands of Chinese people began moving to the United States in search of work. Many of them moved to California to join the gold rush, though others sought work in factories, mines, agriculture, domestic jobs, and the garment industry. Many of these Chinese laborers were escaping poverty and social unrest in China, and they often worked for lower wages than non-Chinese laborers did. As more Chinese immigrants began taking low-wage jobs in the U.S., non-Chinese laborers began to resent the competition they created in job markets. Anti-Chinese sentiment grew. Despite the fact that Chinese immigrants made up a lot of the labor in mines, the first transcontinental railroad, and other industries, they faced poor conditions and discrimination at work and at home. California and other states began passing anti-Chinese laws. For instance, in 1850, the California state legislature passed the Foreign Miners Tax Law, 
placing a monthly $20 tax on minors who were not U.S. citizens. The act was repealed the next year but soon reenacted, and it led many Chinese miners to quit their job and move to cities under impoverished conditions. The 1868 Berlingame-Seward Treaty allowed for Chinese immigration to the U.S. with few regulations. It annulled many state laws that restricted Chinese immigration. That said, laws restricting Chinese immigration were still passed. The U.S.'s Page Act of 1875 prohibited the immigration of East Asian forced laborers and people entering for, quote, immoral purposes. This act was a thinly veiled effort to restrict Asian immigration without doing so on the basis of race, and it effectively ended the immigration of Chinese women. While some advocated anti-Chinese legislation by saying that Chinese immigrants would lower American moral standards, others were explicit that their concerns were based on race. A few years after the Page Act was passed, Congress passed legislation to restrict immigration from China. In March of 1879, U.S. President Rutherford B. Hayes vetoed the bill for violating the Burlingame Treaty. But he still opposed the so-called Chinese invasion. And many politicians supported the complete exclusion of Chinese immigrants. In 1880, the Hayes administration appointed U.S. diplomat James Angel to negotiate a new treaty with China. The U.S. ratified the Angel Treaty in 1881, which permitted a suspension on the immigration of Chinese laborers, but allowed the entry and exit of those who were already in the U.S. In 1882, President Chester Arthur vetoed a bill that banned the immigration of Chinese laborers for 20 years. But on May 6th of that year, he signed the Chinese Exclusion Act into law. The act suspended the immigration of Chinese laborers for 10 years. It also required Chinese laborers already in the U.S. who left the country to get certificates of return in order to re-enter the country. On top of this, the act prohibited courts from naturalizing Chinese people. After the act went into effect, some people took violent actions to get Chinese people out of their communities. In the Rock Springs Massacre of 1885, which I covered in a previous episode, white miners started a riot in Wyoming territory that caused the death of at least 28 Chinese miners and drove many others out of town. The Scott Act of 1888 banned the re-entry of around 20,000 Chinese people who had left the U.S. temporarily. The Geary Act of 1892 renewed Chinese exclusion for 10 years, and in 1902, it was extended indefinitely. The acts placed heavy restrictions on the immigration of Chinese people, encouraged the abuse of Chinese workers, and incited increased violence, racism, and xenophobia. But many Chinese people managed to circumvent the laws, and some Chinese merchants organized an anti-American boycott, and many Chinese people protested and fought for their rights in court. Still, U.S. immigration exclusion escalated, and the Immigration Act of 1924 banned all immigration from Asia. As immigration increased after World War II, Congress established quotas to regulate immigration. The Chinese Exclusion Acts were repealed in 1943, after the U.S. and China became allies in the war and the Magnuson Act was passed. It set the annual quota for Chinese immigrants extremely low, at 105 people. 
It wasn't until the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1965 that the national origins quota system was abolished and the number of Asian people immigrating to the U.S. increased dramatically. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you have any comments or suggestions or questions, you can hit us up on social media. We're at T-D-I-H-C podcast. You can also send us an email at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for listening to the show and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.